Panther fans who want to keep pounding. For the ones who want an inside look at the vault. This 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 is views from Midstream. Now here's your host Lonzo Wrightsell and Rob Brown. The Views from Midstream podcast rolls on. Rob Brown, the great one, Lonzo Wrightsell with you here as we talk. The season's not over. Yeah, it is. We've still, got, we've still got one more game to play. It will be down in New Orleans this weekend against the Saints, a game that had we beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, could have possibly been for the division next week, a game that could have absolutely been a primetime matchup and worth watching. Instead, the Superdome will play host to the Who Gives a Damn Bowl next Sunday when the Panthers and the Saints both eliminated from the playoffs yesterday due to that Tampa Bay victory, uh, will square up in a matchup of let's see the young guys and who's going to be the foundation of these two organizations next year. Uh, If you have not done so, in the midst of all that optimism and excitement, do us a favor, share us around in your social media circle so we can continue to grow the show. Please and thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, you know, I've, I've, I watched that game yesterday. I was over in Charleston for New Year's. We took a break from the celebrations to make sure that we were all gathered around the television to watch it. Uh, I, I, had a, I actually had a very good feeling go into it. As I told you about six weeks ago, I put some change down on the Panthers, long odds to win the division. Uh, I know we kind of hit on this in, in the first segment, and we won't spend a ton of time on it. But like I said, Zoe, defensively, the team just fell apart. In fact, I was checking out some of the post-game quotes from Steve Wilkes in his press conference, and he mentioned the fact that C.J. Henderson had an awful day, and you know that he had an awful day because he gave the old coach speak answer of, I'm going to have to watch the tape before I elaborate. No, you don't, coach. No, you don't. I'm not a head coach, and I watched the tape, and C.J. Henderson got his behind roasted in that game many, many times. Mike Evans is a guy who did not see the end zone since week four of the regular season and put up three TDs. I believe two of them were one-on-one versus Henderson, who got absolutely roasted. Uh, He also mentioned that on that last Mike Evans touchdown, the one that put that thing away for Tampa Bay effectively, that the defensive coaches had called an all-out blitz. They had called the zero-dog blitz. Just send everybody who's not in one-on-one coverage on the outside. He said, we should have checked out of it. We recognized it was passed. We recognized that Henderson was going to be on an island with Mike Evans, who was having himself a day, should have made the adjustment, and did not. Yeah, uh, those are the types of adjustments. Those are the types of calls that I expect an NFL-caliber head coach to see, to recognize, to realize, and to make in the heat of the moment. You take either one of those scores off the board, and we're looking at a playoff entry game against New Orleans this Sunday. The fact that Wilkes hit the microphone, though, and gave a spectacular and accurate critique of the things that he did wrong in that game is exactly why I went from three days ago thinking Steve Wilkes would be the head coach next year to now thinking that he absolutely will not. 
Yeah, I love, you know, when the coach comes out and says, you know, let me tell the truth about everything and, and be really accurate about how bad we were and call some people out. And think, that means you're probably not going to be working here in the future. So you don't mind uh, saying some things that maybe you wouldn't say before. Uh, the the, the one-game mentality didn't really work this time. Nothing worked. I, I just I, I I am curious about the effort for next week, what it's going to be like, and and how many people have checked out because it, it seemed like they checked out somewhere in the middle of the game. I mean, because there was a possibility the entire time. I mean, we were sitting there watching, and I was telling my wife, I was like, I got to keep reminding myself the Panthers are winning because they did. It, it, how were they winning as long as they were? It kept, okay, we're up by a touchdown. Oh, we're up by a field goal. How is – it doesn't feel like they're winning. And and so when they lost at the end, I was not surprised. I, uh, I'll i be honest with you. I, I, I didn't have that same feel. Uh, it absolutely felt to me the entire time like this is a winnable game. It felt like while – I, I, I wonder if – for you, for other folks who felt that way, though, because of how dominant this team was last week against Detroit, and how you know what I mean, like if you have a a a, a great steak, a steakhouse steak, a really good steak, and then the next week you make one on your grill, that's always been pretty good. But after you had that roost Chris the week before, you're like, oh, this just feels subpar, even though it's pretty good. I wonder if that's kind of not what happened because of how much we dominated that Detroit game. If we weren't kind of going, you know, we that's what we're capable of. Why aren't we doing that this week? Uh, I thought we absolutely were doing enough to win the game. Granted, it's as much because Tampa Bay is bad as it is anything else, or at least they were bad. That team yesterday, uh, Tampa looked like they were on the same page. A development I thought we'd be talking about in week six Instead, talking about it week 17, but that's another discussion for another pod. Um, I will simply say, I think that the disappointment from how dominant this football team was last week to the absolute mediocrity that was for at least three and a half quarters good enough to beat a bad Tampa team, I think it was, for me anyway, it was just frustration in seeing what we are capable of last week and then seeing us do the one thing I was afraid we were going to do and come out this week and go, yeah, that was enough of that. Let's do something different this week. Why? 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 That's the thing. That's the thing. That's why as, as soon as somewhere in the middle of the first quarter, I'm like, okay, they're going totally against what they did last week. And, you know, if we're feeling that, don't you think the players feel that too? I, I mean, it's one thing to watch and feel great about it. It's a totally different thing to be out on the field. You've been on the field and on the court or wherever and won before. You know what that feels like. And and when you feel like you have a winning formula, when you go out there and you know the coaches have just totally abandoned what worked the week before, I think that has to weigh on you. I think it absolutely has to. And I think that's part of why the 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 effort wasn't there where it should have been. And I just, I, I mean, it was just a, there was an air of, yeah, we're going to do it our way. And if it works, great. And if it doesn't, screw you. I don't care if it worked last week. 
yeah, I just, like I said, I just, I, I, I don't understand the difference in mentality. I don't understand why we scrapped what made us dominate against a respectable Detroit team. Listen, Detroit and Tampa Bay, as far as I'm concerned, Detroit and Tampa Bay are respectably level, uh, at least in their performance up until this weekend. There wasn't a whole lot of difference in caliber of opponent from Detroit to Tampa. Now, as I pointed out, that was the best Tampa Bay has looked all year, right? Especially offensively, specifically offensively, the best that team has looked all year. And even with the best Tampa has looked all year, with eight minutes left to play the ball game, we were up two scores. And it just fell apart. And, and, and I guess that was the other part that really frustrated me was even with that lead in the fourth quarter, it, it felt to me like we just kept working ourselves into spots where we were going up against third and nine, third and 12. Third. In fact, I think Darnold took like two sacks on one possession that dropped us into like three consecutive third and 15s or longer uh, in a spot where I'm going, y'all, y'all know, y'all know Deontay's right there, right? Like he's right. He's on your team. He's right there. He's in a Jersey. He got his helmet on and everything. You just give him the ball, let him do Dante Foreman stuff, and we might give ourselves a chance here, boys. And instead, like I said, I'm not putting the L on Darnold. Yeah, he made some mistakes, but he also gutted out a few plays that extended drives and gave us a chance and had what I believe. I believe uh, his his yardage total was a career high at 341 and three TDs. Um, I still don't understand why the game plan just went sideways and now it feels like every pod the rest of the year starting Friday is going to be draft breakdown and coaching hire strategy. Yeah, I, it's it's just, I mean, you can't put into words of frustration, even though we're supposed to, about, about what happened. And the other thing for me is when you look at how things started the week before, they started out by running Chuba Hubbard, not by running Deontay Foreman. Chuba Hubbard was on fire. The couple times he touched the ball that I recall in this game, he did pretty well. Why not just give it to Chuba and just not get yourself in those situations and give Deontay uh, time to come in in the second half? That formula has also worked. You, you, you run Chuba Hubbard, then you bring Deontay Foreman in. Then the defense gets some rest uh, because they were flying out there, flying around, looked, looked awesome the first little bit, and then they started getting tired. The adrenaline wore off, and they started giving up those long plays. And it just and, – and it's got to – I mean, it, it has to, as a player, start to wear on you and you go, you know what, we're not going to win this game anyway. I got one more and I'm on vacation. I'm probably not going to be here next year. You know what, I, I'm just going to – I'm just going to halfway do it the rest of the way. Look – you hope it's not like that, but it's a, it's a it's a human nature thing for a lot of people. I I just I can't. I'll put it this way: if you were right, and there's there was any mentality, any attitude for any player or coach in that locker room of yo, you know, it's 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 almost the end of the season, one more week, and then we're free. Or doesn't matter if we go to the playoffs, we're not good enough to win. Like if there was any of that on that team. Uh, then A, I want that dude off this squad. Uh, and B, 
I don't want Steve Wilkes as the head coach. So I, I, I can't accept that there was any who cares, I'm, I'm ready to go on vacation mentality. Maybe you're right, but I, I just can't accept that as a reality. Uh, I think we got our coach. We, I think we got our plate. And before we get too deep, even though we're 28 minutes into the pod now, uh, before we get too deep, I, I do think it is important that we talk about the fact that Mike Evans had a career day, 10 snags, 207 yards, three touchdowns. The guy was incredible in this game. It was tough. It was a tough ass to stop Mike Evans in this game. But while it is a tough ask, it's not an ask that you don't make the adjustments to try to make happen. And when we're late in this game and I'm watching Mike Evans lined up one-on-one with, with CJ Henderson, who was getting absolutely roasted all game long. I'm sitting there going, where the hell are the adjustments, right? Like you're bringing extra pressure. It's not working. It's not getting to Brady. So instead of trying to get to Brady quick by bringing extra pressure from, from Luvu and Shaq and these other guys, why don't we work on pressure sacks, right? Like why don't, okay, let's bracket and double up Evans, take him away. Let's put it all on Chris Godwin, who by the way, also had nine for a buck 20 in that game but let's put it all on Godwin. Let's make uh, Russell Gage and these other guys step up and bail Brady out of situations. And let's see if we can't come up with some coverage sacks against this guy, which by the way, we had a couple of those late in the game, but then we would just immediately bring extra pressure and let Brady beat us to the outside. I just watching that game was immensely frustrating because it, it, it's, it's, like, it's one of those things that I'm going, okay, I'm not a smart man, but I know what love is. And I, I feel like the solution's easy. I feel like the solution to the problem Tampa's presented us with is simple, right? Bracket the outside receivers, try to get coverage sacks, make Brady work the middle of the field. So even if he does complete it, the clock's ticking while we're sitting on a two-score lead. And we just didn't do it. And... There's not much that frustrates me more in football or in life, Alonzo, uh, than when somebody just outthinks a simple solution. And I feel like that's what we did.